Welcome to another episode of Black in Therapy. Black in Therapy is a podcast where we explore the unique issues people of color face when dealing with mental health issues and mental health diagnosis. I am your host, Nikita Banks, who's a psychotherapist here in Brooklyn, New York, and welcome to our new show. You can sign up for our mailing list at blackintherapy.com. You can email us, just feedback, show suggestions, and just drop a line and say hey at blackintherapy at gmail.com, as well as you can and follow us on everything Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Black in Therapy. Okay, so we're gonna get into our new show. I haven't been here for a while and a lot's going on. So I think I told you guys before, uh, the end of last year, I stepped out on faith and started my own private practice here in Brooklyn, New York, but I also got licensed in several other states. So I'm licensed now in a uh, few other states. I don't want to mention them just, just yet, but um, building a practice is really, really hard and it takes a lot of time as well as it takes time to find uh, time to interview people. We're going to have some interviews very, very soon. And um, finding time to actually record these shows and edit them and put them up and market them, it's a whole lot. But I'm committed to at least trying to come out with a new episode every twice a month or by by weekly. And that's the goal. So um, what I wanted to talk about today was starting my own practice and things I wish I would have known when I started my practice. So uh, the end of 2016, matter of fact, it's, it's been a year. It's been a year since I stepped out on my own and actually started my practice. So um, for those of you who are not versed in social work and how licensing and stuff works. So um, for me here in New York, I had to be licensed as an LMSW, which is licensed master social worker for three years and obtain a certain number of clinical training hours before I obtained my LCSW. And um, which is licensed clinical social work. Yeah. Licensed clinical social work license, which I I have now. And it's the highest license that you can get in my field. I thought that if I became a doctor of social worker, which is something that I'm still thinking about, because having doctor in front of my name is kind of fancy schmancy and it may be something that I have in my future. But even if I was to practice and be a psychotherapist, I would still be a DSW and licensed as an LCSW. This is probably Spanish to you guys. If you're not interested in the field, you don't care. (laughs) But if you are in school for social work or if you are a social worker, um, I think this is probably useful information. And each state has its own jurisdiction and each state has its own licensing process. But um, I'm licensed in New York and New Jersey and I have been throughout the whole of my career. So when I got my LCSW, which I can get in two years in New Jersey, um, I still had the lower license in New York. So I ended up getting both licenses and deciding that I no longer wanted to work at um, the place that I was working because I was super duper unhappy. It was a great opportunity. I learned a lot, but I really kind of wanted to do things another way. I think most people, when they come into social work, they have this idea that you're going to kind of have a crappy job and you're going to have a crappy life and you're going to hate what you do. And I saw a lot of my coworkers who have been in the field for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and they were really, really unhappy. And then I saw some of the younger 
uh, co-workers who were like amazing clinicians and they were like hustling themselves to death to make money. And then I worked for the place that ultimately catapulted me to step out on faith. And there are still clinicians who were driving Porsches and um, <laughs> and owned the building that we worked in and they were doing pretty well for themselves. So I'm like, I know that there's another way that I'll be able to make the desired income that um, I like because I like shoes and bags and expensive stuff, go Libra. And, um, you know, minimum wage, with a master's was not something that I was looking to do. So um, I obtained my LCSW and at the end of last year, I ended up going into practice. Now, LCSW, I speak to a lot of clinicians who don't get licensed. They don't get the LMSW. And if you don't get the LMSW in New York State, you can't earn your hours to get your LCSW. So there are a lot of people who graduate with their master's in social work and never get licensed. And if you never get licensed, you're kind of stagnant where you are in like low paying jobs. So I suggest to everybody, if you're going to go the LMSW route to get your C. And here's why. So when I was at the process of working in my last job, I took that job for hours plus money, right? Because you, you go to work for money. Now, I, I'm in a financial situation that I would have been able to like make ends meet for less money in order to get my hours because the hours was the most valuable thing to me in order to... In, obtain my LCSW. And um, I always knew I wanted to be a psychotherapist, as I told you guys, because of my own battles with depression and my own um, advice from my therapist telling me that I could go to school for six years to become a psych psychologist, I'm sorry, to become a psychologist, or I could go to school for three years, get my master's, actually earn money and earn my hours and still be able to go to go into private practice in probably less time. And so I took the MSW route in order to do that. Um, during one of my internships, I had the pleasure of doing a day shadowing somebody at Brooklyn Mental Health Court. And when I went in there, I got some very valuable advice by the uh, psychotherapist or LMSW, LCSW, she was a C, LCSW, Licensed Clinical Social Worker, who ran Brooklyn Mental Health Court. And what she told me was, get your C. She said, don't go anywhere and get stuck. Don't go anywhere where you won't get your hours. And she joked that her children called her their rich mommy. She was not an African-American woman, but she sat down and she, she spoke to me and my coworker who was Latina at the time. And she told us, go and get your C. She said it makes she said it makes it all the difference. She told me that she works for the city of New York and that pays for her insurance and that pays for her retirement and her private practice is what bought her shoes. And I was like, ooh, I like shoes. So it was extremely valuable advice that I was able to um, obtain from her. And it's something that I tell young social workers coming in now that if you really want to be in the field and make the maximum amount that you can get your clinical license. Now, that's not to say that there aren't other ways that you'll be able to make money in the field, but for me, it made a significant difference. And let me tell you why. So when I graduated with my 
MSW. I had my MSW for about a month and then I got my LMSW. I went right in. I took the licensing exam. I passed it the first time. Go me. Um, And I was licensed. And it took me a while to get a job. Even though I had a license, I had this beautiful degree and it's expensive frame from NYU and I couldn't find a job right offhand, right? Because this is New York. I live in New York City. And when you live in New York City, having education and having a, a license was kind of like old hat. I feel like everybody had that LMSW. Now I know that that's not true. So um, thank God I, I networked and I would speak to a lot of the people that I graduated with. I would reach out to some of my professors and they were able to connect me with organizations where they were potentially hiring. And actually my first few job offers I received, I received from um, recommendations. And what ended up happening was I didn't take a lot of those jobs because the money was way too low. Like I probably would have still had to be on, you know, public assistance or Medicaid in order to like pay New York City rent and keep my head above water, right? So that's not what we go to school to get a master's for. But the money was extremely low and um, that wasn't an option. And some of them, if they paid okay, there was nobody to supervise me to get me to that next level in my career. And if I would have done that, then I would have probably been stuck at that job for 10, 10, 15 years and been burnt out. And actually one of the first jobs that they offered me it was to work for um, ACS, which is Administration for Children's Services, um, not with them or not directly working for the city, but contracted with an agency who worked for the city. And my best friend actually did that work 20 years ago, and they literally were going to pay me what they paid her 20 years ago with a bachelor's degree, with my master's degree. And when I found that out, I was like, that's no way that I'm going to do that. Plus, the work is really, really hard. It's taxing. It's emotionally draining. Who wants to take people's children if you really don't have to? I mean, hats off to the people who do that work, but they should do that work and be paid accordingly. So... That was not attractive. So it took me a while to find something. And thank God that I had the flexibility to be like, "Mm, thanks, but no thanks. And so um, what ended up happening was I got I got contacted by a company who saw that I had my LMSW and asked me to do contracted work. So my first job out of school, somebody saw that I was licensed. I don't know how they found out, but somebody saw that I was licensed and they sent me an email and I, that's how I got my first job in the business. Um, my second job I got in the business was because I reached out to somebody on LinkedIn about getting uh, decent employment with my hours. And I love black women, but one of the black clinicians, she actually asked me to intern for her at her private practice. And I was explaining to her, no, I'm licensed. Uh, I need to make money. And I, you know, I know what what you can charge in private practice. So for me to be working with you for free in exchange for hours just didn't seem appetizing. But she was adamant about she wasn't going to pay and she wanted me to work and do psychotherapy for her for free. So that didn't work. However, a wonderful clinician did reach out to me and uh, she gave me a a job and she gave me a chance in order to... um, 
become a therapist and I've been rocking out ever since and she, you know they paid me a decent wage which sometimes doesn't happen and they gave me hours and she gave me amazing clinical guidance and amazing supervision um and so that that was kind of how I lucked out however when I got my C um, or the last em- the employee that I had when I got my C, I think I told you guys before, I really, really didn't like this place, right? I, I, I was kind of burning out there. Um, the way that they did things were a little antiquated. It was a little backwards. I'm a little faster. I'm younger than a lot of the clinicians. I'm African-American. And so culturally, we clashed. Um, I came from a, a space with the other employment where they were very really culturally responsive. They were culturally competent. We talked about our feelings. Um, and I was with clinicians that I knew supported me emotionally and mentally, and they were there to back me a thousand percent with my client work. And I went to an agency, and a lot of people don't like agency work, but I went to an agency where I had none of that. And so when it came time for me to get my LCSW hours, your clinician, your supervisor, who is more than just like your boss, she's somebody that you go to to talk to about your feelings, difficult cases, whatever. Like it's it's almost an intimate therapeutic relationship. It's not supposed to be, but it can kind of get there because there were days that I cried with her and there were days that like she had to hold me and she cried with me right but when it came time for me to get my LCSW and she had to sign off on some of my clinical hours not all of them but some of my clinical hours she refused and so I don't want to say that this has anything to do with culture I don't want to say if it had anything to do with bias I don't know what it had to do with all I know is that she didn't want to sign off on all of the hours that I earned and it it was kind of stunning to me but it made me know exactly how valuable <laughs> getting those clinical hours were so i was able to get my lcsw in new york and transfer some of that stuff over to new jersey and um that was how i ended up getting getting everything that i needed but what i learned from that is is that there's more than one way to skin a cat whenever you you reach that glass ceiling or you're up against that plateau you you're reaching that plateau and you're feeling like you're not gonna make it you have to find your resources and reach out to your network and i actually had other clinicians who actually supported me and they were like you know what no we're gonna make sure that you get the things that you need and we're gonna support you in getting those other hours so i was able to get everything that i needed and then once that was done they were like all right what do you want to do in your career we're here to support you completely and so that was how i ended up getting my office space and actually another friend of mine she referred me to the job where i do my consulting work and i got hired there i got my license on a wednesday i interviewed on a friday and literally I sat down and she said I was hired and I was like you don't want to ask me any questions you don't want to she said I I looked at your resume you and I have spoken over the phone I know you can do this work you're hired like we need somebody and we need somebody to start as soon as possible and so I was like look at God the money I was making is is you know amazing And it allows me the flexibility to actually effectively build my practice. Now to get into why I was even telling this story to begin with, what I wish I would have known then is if I could have done things over 
although I wouldn't change a thing, but if I could have done things over, if I can give you some advice about going, leaving your day job to going into private practice, um, the good news is, is that I had a savings. Better news is that I had uh, supplemental employment that I can work around my schedule uh, with the consulting work that still pays me what my old salary pays me in less time. So that's a great thing. And I'm able to like effectively market and build my practice. The bad news is the consulting work is primarily all insurance based and filling out the paperwork to start to take clients with insurance takes a lot of freaking time. So while I thought that I would, you know, have this month off, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, be off from like, uh, what is it? Thanksgiving to Christmas. And then I'd be able to like have this, this wonderful break. And then I'll come back in January and start work refreshed. Didn't happen because it took me a few months before I was able to actually get, um, get employment where I could take this insurance. And so that also affected the clients that I could take in my private practice because I had all this time in the world twiddling my thumbs waiting for this other employment to start. But I also couldn't take insurance in my private practice because I didn't start the paperwork in time. So what I wish I would have done was have the patience and presence of mind to stay at that old job until the new job actually started and kicked in and that I had my insurance and I would have had a little bit of like a time window cushion in order to start effectively getting and marketing and having my clients in my office and having the insurance set up. Good news is, is I had other options. Um, I had contacted some EAP programs, which is employee assistance programs, and they paid me directly for me seeing their members. So that was a source of income that I was able to take, even though I didn't take insurance. I had my cash based clients, hallelujah, who paid me my rates um, and didn't haggle with me and they were able to pay me what um, I wanted. Um, and so that was how I built my clients. And um, eventually I was able to take insurance. And so if you could take anything away from my story, number one, be pers- persistent. Don't let anybody tell you no, you go around them, you go go underneath them, you go through them, but get to where you got to get. Number two, have the end in mind. I knew when I started this journey that I was going to be a psychotherapist. I wasn't going to stop at that. I have other amazing clinical opportunities and I'm actually thinking and weighing out those avenues of where I really want to go in my career. But I know that now that I'm on insurance panels and I'm taking insurance, that that's something that I have and I have the option to build my practice the way that I want to. And third, I I, I always count and then I I lose count. But anyway, I hope we're up to three, uh, a number. (laughs) But what ends up happening in what I was grateful for for me was that I had an additional stream of income so that my bills were paid for and they weren't contingent on me building this practice because sometimes I mean I don't know I know different people work on different motivations for me I have to have that stability but there are other people that's like you know what I like to fly without net and if I know that this practice is going to be the only way that me and my family is going to eat I'm going to go out there and I'm going to market and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to get clients and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to build as far as I'm concerned I have a kid in college. I have things that I have to do. 
for me, it was more important for me to at least not be losing any income and losing any time. And so I realized that I had gone from a different fee schedule where I was making the same amount that I was making in 40 hours a week, as opposed to making it in a a few hours a week. Um, And this is a job that I can keep you know, part time and it's something that I can do. And I I love what I do. I love all the avenues that, that I have to make additional money. So having another route and another way to make stable income is something that you want to start to think about if private practice is for you. So I know, and having a savings, I probably should have said that. I probably should have been number one. I don't don't know, but we, we can name that number one. Because I don't know what number I'm on anyway. But um, having a savings and being financially responsible, getting your finances in order completely before you make this shift. Because it's really, really difficult to navigate everything that you have to do as a business owner and all that the time that you have to invest, but the money that you have to invest in order to properly market and go to conferences and speak and network and let people know that you exist and that you're in business. Um, and I'm behind the ball. I'm behind the curve. I wish that I would have done some things earlier recently. My doctor asked me to give her, <laughs> give her my marketing material. Cause she's like, what are you doing? Like, why? I don't I have your stuff because I can be sending you clients. And so, you know, that's those are things that I just didn't have in place when I decided that I hated my job and I wasn't going to go back. So I don't know. I don't know if that's the route that you want to take. But just know that as long as you've decided what you want to do, things will be easier. Also, I now that I have my LCSW, I get calls and emails from for jobs all the time. Like the difference of me having my LMSW to my LCSW is that people seek me out. Like I don't apply for jobs. I don't even know how they got my information, but they're looking for skilled licensed clinicians. So If I could give you nothing but advice, this is, you know, in terms of the career you want and also set a set an income goal and try to do everything that you possibly can to meet it, because there are multiple ways to make money. Once you have the full licensure and once you start to really network and think outside the box. But I'm I'm very glad that I'm at the point where right now I don't worry about I'm not worried about money. And so that's where we all want to be. And especially if you work as hard as you have to work in this career field and work as hard as you have to work to get your training and to get your degree to get your license and to to go very far in this field. So once again, this is Nikita Banks for Black in Therapy. Thank you for coming to the show or listening to the show because you didn't come anywhere, but you listened. Anyway, thank you for tuning in um, and see you next time.